0: So I was saying the only thing you really need is a Pringles can, a latex glove, some sponges, and some loop, and you're good to go.
1: Oh, yeah, I agree. That's a really good idea. I never would I, have
0: thought of
2: that.
3: I disagree. You should probably buy some Lysol, too.
0: To yeah, but own. then
2: you need to get bleach, and you don't want to clean that.
3: Well, no, that's what the Lysol's for. Bleach, especially if the cat's there, you don't want the bleach messing with the, uh, the cat... 'Cause it'll create mustard gas and you'll pass out. Oh, did we start?
0: Okay. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, we did. Hello everybody,
1: welcome to another episode of Football After Dark. It's special this week because it's Bird Week! Ah! Oh. This week we'll gobble, be Gobble Gobble. Today's episode we will be doing a special Bird Week ah! Ah! edition of the Jubby Report. Oh no.
2: <laughs> Followed by Matt. Talking about Atlanta Falcons,
0: bullshit. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Corey's not going to talk much. Corey's not
3: going <coughs> to talk much during that segment, or he's going to re- like he said he was going to butt in at the end of every I single
2: think one of
1: Matt's sentences. I think he'll just be pleasantly a, surprised
2: with what I think about the Falcons. All
1: right, I'm going to splice in a Corey cam with him just getting significantly more depressed as Matt's talking about them. Someone had to do it. Okay. An- <laughs> it's going to be more angry. Yeah, angry. Yeah, it'll be more anger. And then uh, after that. Corey has a little game.
0: A little well, drinky game?
1: Yeah, little drinky game. Well, I, I do the Seahawks. You do the Seahawks. More bird stuff. Yeah. Because it's bird week. Ah! 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 That's excellent. Whew. <laughs> then, after that, we'll be doing our top five receiving cores. Yes. Which will be a lot of fun. The only rules for the receiving
3: core is that you have to take into consideration the X through Z. Which, if you guys don't know, it's the number one, number two, number three. And the, I guess, the, like, the overall number one tight end, whoever it is.
2: So If he's relevant. If he's
3: relevant, yeah. So, that's the way that's going to work. It's yeah. not like that thing where some of us ranked, like, we're not ranking the top five receivers, like, singular. It's the core itself, so.
1: Yep. Alright, so let's start with today's episode with the only bi-weekly football news segment you need to care about. It's the Jubby Report. to a special BORN WEEK ah, ah, version of the Jubby Report.
2: (laughs) He really is going to do it every time. I love it.
1: (laughs) Who? (laughs) Baltimore Ravens rookie Lamar Jackson is the talk of the town with teammate and pro bowler CJ Mosley calling him a young Michael Vick. Vick, of course, revolutionized the quarterback position by getting thrown in jail and pissing off Pittsburgh fans.
2: (laughs) Oh my god.
1: Philadelphia Eagles running back Jay Ajayi is being called the guy in the team's backfield, which might mean bad news for fellow running back and my esteemed co-host, Corey Clement.
0: How do you feel about that, Corey? Uh, sad, but at least I have my ring. (laughs) Sure,
1: he got the ring. He got the ring. During this offseason, Seattle Seahawks quarterback Russell Wilson has been quite busy learning how to be a helicopter pilot. Uh, go go Hawks. (laughs) Atlanta Falcons quarterback Matt Ryan is making too much goddamn money with a five-year, $150 million contract. That's enough money to remake the Blair Witch Project 250 times. So, starting today, I'm petitioning for Matt Ryan to do just that. Oh, no! Go to this link, bit.ly slash Matt Blair, to sign the petition and make him do something useful with his money. I'm also putting a link on our Twitter at FadPod.
2: We made it. We made a petition.
1: The petition is live right now. <laughs> Shadow drop. You can go there
3: right now and force Matt Ryan to do something with his money. What else is he gonna do with it?
2: I don't know. It's a hundred mil guaranteed. Isn't that
0: fucking ridiculous?
3: Yeah, a hundred million dollars guaranteed is just absolutely just asinine. Over.
0: I I think that's a little bit more reasonable than. 90-something mil guaranteed over three years with Kirk Cousins.
2: No, that, that, that's true. Matt Ryan I, guess, I, Matt, Matt Ryan, I guess, deserves more money than Kirk Cousins, yeah. but it's just sad that Kirk Cousins set the standard, and now everyone's going to start quarterbacks and get paid more and more.
0: Mm-hmm.
3: Yeah. But anyway, we were, I'm sorry, we were listening to the Jubby report. We haven't paused.
2: Yeah,
3: I'm sorry.
1: No, no, you're fine. No, that's it for the Jubby report. Oh, okay. <laughs> All right,
3: we just had to hit the resume button.
1: <laughs> that was the last story. Yeah. So whoever yeah. does that Jubby report's
3: really, we like listening to his stuff. It's really good. Whatever mm-hmm. it is, we just we just hold up a we just hold up a TV speaker to the microphone and you know <laughs> we just let plays. it go. We just let it just let it go.
0: Hope we, it's not copyright infringement. I hope not. <laughs>
3: That uh, <laughs> I can't believe we have uh, like essentially a Kickstarter to force <laughs> Matt Ryan to make the Blair Witch two. Is How many live? times?
1: Oh, Oh, two hundred fifty. Separate gonna,
3: times can, can, over five years. He's gonna recast it two hundred fifty. We're gonna—he's gonna use every actress that's ever existed. Yeah. In this movie <laughs> over the next five years. I love it.
2: Can we be number two hundred fifty? Like us will be the found yeah, footage yeah.
1: If, if, if if Matt Ryan decides to do it. It'd
2: be us trying to make this episode in the woods. <laughs>
0: <laughs>
2: oh my god. <laughs> then it just ends with like a really
3: stupid cliffhanger of like Corey Yeah, Sterling. well let's say
2: like every like twenty five minutes or so something weird happens and one of us gets dragged off and then like like I get dragged off and it's just Justin, Corey, and Kuyper. Oh my god, where's Matt? I don't know, but we gotta talk about the Seahawks still.
0: <laughs> Perfect segue. <laughs> what was just see piles um, of football not, not in really, the middle yeah. of the field.
2: Not the best segue. Yeah. I should have said Falcons if I wanted the segue. Oh, man. Yeah, you could have done it. You missed. I, I swung and I missed. I'm sorry. But, yeah, so uh, we're moving on to our team reports or whatever for Bird Week. Caw. Bird Week! Bird. Ah. Ah.
1: Ah. Caw. <laughs> you said
0: that so awkwardly. It was great.
2: We are so professional.
1: <laughs>
2: <laughs> so, um, I... Am doing the Atlanta Falcons This week Bullshit I, Well Someone had to do it Like I said Alright Get it over with now These Get it over with now back. Better me than I don't know Someone else like, I don't fucking whatever. Better him
1: than you Mm-mm. What have we made you do this fucking You could Falcons. just trash them
0: Besides Julio <laughs> yeah, <laughs> You yeah, could just put Julio on, the, on a pedestal And just say Everybody else is trash Besides Devontae and Tevin Are on decent backfield Yeah
3: <laughs> <laughs> And you like Calvin Obviously, he's a Bamba boy. Yeah,
0: if he works out.
2: Right. All right, so 2017, Atlanta Falcons, 10-6. and six. They had the number 8 offense, the number 9 defense, and in that number 9 defense is because they were led by a top 10 rushing defense. They were number 9 in giveaways, but number 27 in takeaways. That's one of the main things they should have improved on this offseason. Is working on their retooling and working on their defense to help with takeaways. They also had the near worst average starting field position in the league. They were 31. Their average starting field position, I think, it was like 25 and a half or something like that. I don't know if that was because they just scored all the time and red zone and touchbacks made them go to the twenty-five or whatnot, but they had the worst average starting field position. Another thing they needed to improve on. They were number one in shortest time of possession on offense. They always scored fast. They were also number one in shortest time of possession on defense. They let other teams score fast. <laughs> <laughs> they got off the field too quick, and I think that led to their defense getting winded. And the same thing, the same kind of reasons why they lost the Super Bowl to the Patriots ate at them all year last year. So, who did they get in the offseason? season?
3: Who did they get in the offseason to help any of that?
2: Not much. They got Justin Bethel, cornerback from Arizona. He earned Pro Bowl honors as a special teams player. The, maybe the best he can help with is uh, field position on covering punts and stuff like that. Maybe, but that I don't think he's going to be the return man, so I don't know what they do there. And I don't see him as a starting cornerback.
3: This also might be one of the last years we ever have kickoffs.
2: Right? So, the way they keep wanting to retool they're, it. they're
3: trying to like either phase them out or just completely like redo them.
2: Mm-hmm. They picked up Logan Paulson, a blocking tight end. I did help with the running game. Sure. Brandon Fusco, guard, signed a three year deal to shore up their O line. They did ha- I mean, they have that great two headed monster, Devonta Freeman, Tevin Coleman. The, shoring up their offensive lineman was actually good. But the, none of those really attacked any of their weaknesses. Their losses. They lost Adrian Claiborne, defensive end. He's their single-game sack leader. They lost Dontari Poe, defensive tackle. He was a tough decision cut to clear room for that Matt Ryan extension we just talked about. Yes. They had one of the best rushing defenses, and they lost two of their starting defensive linemen. They hurt (laughs) themselves at their main strength. Then they lost Taylor Gabriel, their speedster receiver from the slot, who had a r- surprisingly good season last year. But they let him go, and then they lost Levine Toyolo Toilolo. I can never say that name. Levine Toilolo. It's a tough name. Mm-hmm. So, through free agency, they didn't do anything to help their weaknesses and, in fact, only hurt their strengths. So we go to the draft. You think they would help themselves there, right? First-round pick, Calvin Ridley. Arguably the best wide receiver in the draft, but after losing two defensive linemen needing cornerback help, you think they could have gone for that? The only reason why it even looks like an okay pick now is because Julio's holding out, which you know he's not going to hold out forever. He'll get his money at some point. But then Julio gets his money. How do they keep Coleman, Freeman, Sanu, everyone else they have, you know? Then, second round, they picked up cornerback Isaiah Oliver from Colorado. Uh, he was mentioned as a fringe first-round talent. He fits Dan Quinn's schemes. He's the first person that they got gotten in the offseason, the second round of the draft, for someone that can look to add takeaways, interceptions, and coverage, something that they needed. Third round, they got defensive tackle Deidre Dunant. I don't know how to say that name either. From South Florida. It took him all the way into the third round of the NFL draft to address the D-line help they needed. But he's not necessarily starting material right away. He needs work. So I don't know if he's just going to be like a rep guy or what. Then, probably their biggest reach of the draft, they, they drafted Ido Smith, Southern Miss running back in the fourth round. They don't need a running back. And I don't know why they would take one in the fourth round. There's just, I don't see a reason for it. And then they got wide receiver Russell Gage from LSU, another head scratch. They traded up for him, too. He's a converted defensive back, maybe special teams help. I don't know. And then they got linebacker, oh, God, another hard name, Foyasade Oluokan from Yale. Sounds about right. Apparently, in his workouts, he had the fastest 20-yard shuttle among linebackers, but he's a little small and needs to work on his build. So, again, they didn't address any of their needs. Their shortcomings were field position, defensive time of possession, and defensive takeaways. They didn't do anything for that. They lost on their strengths on their defensive line with that top 10 rushing defense. I think it's going to be a lot easier to run against them this year. And if you can run the ball against them better, how the heck are they supposed to improve on their takeaways? I, I I, I just don't see it. Julio Jones is holding out for a new contract and like I said, we're, we're not exactly sure how that's going to shake out but, and as I also said he gets paid, Ryan got paid, where does the rest of the team go? I don't know how Like I mentioned it already, I don't know how you pay everybody on that team that nucleus, that core nucleus of that team to stay together if all your money is tied up in your quarterback and your wide receiver one.
0: Right, and that's still just all on offense too and not to mention all the people you need to sign on defense
2: exactly they have like
3: not to interrupt you but they have two as far as what positions they play they have two very very good players in Vic Beasley who won he led the league in sacks two years ago the year they went to the Super Bowl and Keanu Neal was like a really good safety so I know that they drafted them. Like I think they're both still on their rookie contracts. But if you invest $30 million a year in Matt Ryan, and then they're probably going to invest anywhere from like 18 to $24 million in Julio a year, how the heck are you supposed to keep these people? Like, like I said,
2: you don't. All, right. of a, all of a sudden, the Falcons are going to start getting worse. And, and I want to like call back to things we've talked about before, about teams that... Uh, Like, we've talked about the Falcons a bit before as a team that hasn't done much to take strides forward with their team. They have been happy to sit in cruise control and just keep pace with the league. You can't do that. The NFL is fast, always shifting, always changing. You cannot just cruise control and think you're going to be okay. You know, this team's window is closing. In a few years, all the cap money is gone. They're not going to be able to sign the defensive people you mentioned. They're not going to be able to sign anybody. They're not going to be able to keep Sanu. They're good number two. They're not going to be able to keep both Coleman and Freeman at the running game. I don't know exactly. Like, I just don't understand their offseason moves this year. They continue to ignore their own weak spots, and the team is going to fall to mediocrity. I see them this year dropping a game from last year, going from 10-6 and to 9-7, and with losses to the Eagles, Panthers on the road, Saints twice, Steelers, Packers, and Giants. They'll continue to be flashy and score fast, but the defense will continue to be winded, and I don't think 9-7 and seven is good enough to get them a wild card spot in the playoffs. They'll get left out this year.
1: Oh, that, this year. that's year. 9-7 is going to be... The the way the NFL is evolving coming into this year, I don't think 9-7 is going to be a good enough record. Mm-hmm. Especially in the NFC. Yep. And NFC, NFC, NFC. is just not good enough. The NFC is just going to be running wild. Yep. That was that was a uh, I like that. Uh, I guess a
3: question before Justin goes. Okay, if they can't keep they're not going to be able to keep Freeman and Coleman. There's just no way. Nope. Which one do you believe they'd rather have? Freeman. Freeman you think sure. Freeman?
2: Fre- Coleman is like they- Coleman is good for like his bit of like flashiness or his power, but I think they like Freeman for his outside running ability and speed a bit more than Coleman. Coleman's kind of like the bruiser, while Freeman's the more flashy guy. And I feel like when you have that flash, people look at you more.
3: It is a little funny, isn't it, that Coleman is considered to be the pass-catching speedster, but he's also a little more of a bruiser. Exactly. Whereas Freeman is the -the in-between-the-tackles guy, but he's really finesse. Yep. So it's this weird, like, they have traits... They each have a trait that you think the other would have. Mm -hmm. So I think that because of those traits, though, I think Coleman would be the one they'd keep because, one, Freeman had the big, you know, I think Freeman actually is signed anyway.
0: Yeah.
3: But I think that you could potentially get Coleman for cheaper because of that, and you could kind of void Freeman's contract and let him go. And still get some production out of Coleman. Like I think that's going to be the reason they keep Coleman. It's not money gonna, wise. It's going to yeah, be money okay. wise. It's not going to be because Coleman is clearly better than Freeman. I don't think that's the case. I think that if you limit the amount of production Coleman gets, and then look at the two of them and say, "Wow, like we could still get production out of him and keep him for cheaper, and then let Freeman go and free up some cap space," I think that's going to be what ultimately keeps Coleman in Atlanta over
2: freeman so. yeah i could see that for money issues i could totally see them keeping coleman <laughs> yeah for sure
0: freeman signed a five-year extension last year 2017 oh, so of that, course
3: that can always just be
0: yeah they could cut them they could <sighs> trade them uh but after they won't give them another contract after this regardless even right. they do keep them all five years exactly that's
3: pretty insane for a running back to get a contract that long, too. That's, like, not common. Right. All right, we're moving on to the next team on... Bird Week. Ah! There you go. Caw. Uh, we're going to go over to the Seattle Seahawks. Yep. Being reported on by,
1: by Justin. Mine is not as crazy in-depth as Matt's as usual. <laughs> Mine are a lot more, like... Kind of wild and punctual and almost feelings-based instead of facts-based. <laughs> <laughs> those those two things can go hand in hand.
3: They're, they're not uh, mutually exclusive. No, I like having a little more fun. I no, understand. no, it's
1: fine. <laughs> I uh, no, there's some other stuff. I, I'm joking. We and all have I our have, own. we all have our own style. I have stuff in here, and, uh, but I'm just too lazy to go through every single draft pick. <laughs>
3: I mean, let's be honest. It wasn't like the Seahawks draft was anything to really report on. There's not a,
1: there was some they
3: things kind of, they got my boy, but my boy's going to be getting tackled two yards behind the line of scrimmage every down. So <laughs> I'm going to start with this. <laughs> my boy is Rashad Penny, by the way, running back out of San Diego State. Oh, yeah, I, I, like I him talk lot. about
1: him, I uh, like him a lot. but kick this off with Richard Sherman going to the 49ers pretty much Ooh. signifies the Legion of Boom dying. And I think it's an excellent thing for the Seattle Seahawks. Really? It's time to move on. All right. Um, the way, after their season ended in 2017, Pete Carroll seemed like he already had a clear objective to what he wanted to do this year. And when when he was talking about like why they won those Super Bowls, not talking as much about the Legion of Boom, more talking about an actual punishing running game.
2: Well, yeah. I mean, again, that was, that was all Marshawn Lynch. Um, yep. When he was healthy, that Legion of Boom worked out better because they could hold the ball longer on offense.
1: Exactly. So now that that's gone, I think it's an excellent thing for Seattle to be able to move on and turn into a new team. Because of how successful that Legion of Boom was for them, that, that explosive defense was for them, these last couple years, they've kind of been just stuck on it, especially last year. I think it really—it's uh, a big that in the offensive line are two big things that messed them up. And it's not even like they had a bad record; they were still nine and seven.
3: It's because of Russell Wilson.
1: But it's it's specifically because of Russell Wilson.
3: And you know what, though, their fronts, their whole defense is still pretty good. Like they have a yeah. decent pass rush. They have one of the best middle linebackers in the league. It just wasn't. I mean. Deshaun Watson absolutely torched them. Yeah, and I feel like that was the moment where people kind of realized that yeah, the Legion of Boom is it's over. I think they're all. I think all of them individually are still good players. Yeah, they're just split off. I just think that I still think Richard Sherman's going to be really good. Oh yeah, absolutely. We don't know if Cam Chancellor's ever going to play football again because of that neck injury. I still haven't heard anything about it. Earl Thomas is still like a top five safety. So, I still think individually they're good. I just think as a unit, they, you were right about that. That that was kind of the end of what they were. Which I predicted, by the way, before the 2017 season started. You did. I remember. I did predict that this year would be the last year for the Legion of Boom. Don't, don't shrug at me, <laughs> <That's> <laughs> Matt I, th- I think you audio means-
2: listeners,
1: and that's all of you, I shrugged at Kuiper. Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> Go on, Justin. I am offended. <laughs> So, I'm also going to preface this whole thing with. Uh, as a Packers fan, Russell Wilson is the bane of my fucking existence, but at the same time, <laughs> I love him so much. <laughs> he funny. is. I think he is the most capable quarterback to put the entire team on his back because of how mobile he is mm-hmm. and how the, the plays he's able to make while c- under pressure is, is, a, is in better shape than anybody else right now. He, he personally is in better shape than any of the top five quarterbacks right now. He's uh, more athletic. Yeah. Definitely. Which is prime for being able to do everything your goddamn self. Rodgers is kind of close. He's, he's close. There's still second. a pretty decent gap, yeah. but Rodgers would be second. Yeah, absolutely. I agree. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, so Pete Carroll went into this free agency and draft looking for two specific things. Uh, punishing running game, Not letting Russell Wilson run anymore because of that running game. That is a big, that's a big thing. Mm -hmm. He's starting to get older. Don't want him rushing as much.
3: Late 20s?
1: Yep, he doesn't want him to start hurting himself. That's something that people have been specifically talking about from within the organization. They want a running game that's good enough that Russell on ever. Which makes sense. He's such an incredible passer, he doesn't need to. Right? He's, actually, he's actually played through a couple of injuries. Yeah.
2: He's a tough dude. I love Russell Wilson.
1: He's
3: a tough dude. He's excellent. I like him a lot. He said bait of my existence, but I love him to death. I liked him in Wisconsin. <laughs> like, not even, like, not trying to be that person, but. No, 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 no. I was too. Yeah, when he was playing in Wisconsin, like, that game against Michigan State with him versus Kirk Cousins was, like, one of the coolest things.
2: When the Seahawks got him, I, I said it was the steal of the draft for where they got him at. Because I he was my favorite quarterback coming out of the draft, and I know that was the draft of luck and RG three and whatnot. But like, I really, really liked Russell Wilson.
3: I think Kirk was that the same year as Kirk Cousins. Yeah, Kirk
2: Cousins got drafted the same yeah. as RG three also. Yeah,
1: so, so to fulfill that running game position, Carroll was looking for their draft pick Penny.
3: My boy, talking
1: about he's my boy, Kyper's boy, my
2: boy. Is I
3: like him a lot.
1: An excellent pick for this. Uh, he might not be in every down back, mm-hmm. but they also have other pieces, especially in a now healthy Chris Carson.
0: Mm-hmm.
3: Hopefully Chris, hopefully a healthy Chris Carson and Adam a very Christoph healthy boys. CJ Procise
1: will help. Oh yeah. Our,
3: hopefully our resident Seahawk fan friend, Adam Kristoff is. Loves Chris Carson. Loves himself some Chris
1: Carson. <laughs> He's also
0: the one that did our logo, so if you have any graphic designs needs, you can feel yeah. free to email him. We have his email linked in the description.
1: Yep, description of every episode is in the description. He also, the, uh... he also sometimes streams on Twitch. Yeah, So at twitch.tv. Playing a lot of that uh, I think it is. Beat Saber. God, Beat yeah.
0: Saber's I'm good. Ex- I'm excited to play that. I don't mean a tangent, just Beat is good.
1: You can no, no. continue. Yeah, it's really good. This is, this, is, this is pretty short. Also, another thing... Once again as a Packers fan. Thank God they got rid of Eddie Lacy. I don't think <laughs> 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 I just want, That's just a little sidebar.
2: Oh my goodness. My god,
1: he was only useful for about a year and a half. Oh, just about in general. Good good
2: old Eddie Lacy. Uh, you uh, guys you guys really did him you guys really did the Seahawks dirty with that deal.
1: Oh yeah. You did. <laughs> but, but fucking god. I was so high on him too. I feel wow. like a dick. He was a kid. He, he was so good that rookie year, and then that that one. He had, uh, he had two good years. Yeah,
3: yeah he, he had that before he ended up getting injured. Whatever. He was averaging like six and a half yards a carry because mm-hmm. he was just fat and no one could tackle him. <laughs> even uh,
0: even last year when he played uh, in rushes that went for a positive yard, he was leading the league in average. Hmm. Yeah, for a while. it's pretty good. But it was that offensive line, just he couldn't get in front of the line enough.
1: That was bad. Then uh, the other thing that they kind of worked on was the lines both offensively and defensively. Mm -hmm. They attributed players to both. I don't have names written down. I think it was Dwayne Brown.
3: Brown. Yeah. They traded for Dwayne Brown halfway through the year. He ended up, I believe, getting hurt immediately. But he's like a top 10, top 12 left tackle. And they Mm -hmm. drafted a couple guys just to... Sort of
0: He's old though, he's like thirty He is old.
1: I mean Andrew Whipworth's yeah. old too. Yeah. So still playing. I think with the the new, more offensive driven kind of, you know, perspective that Pete Carroll's gonna have going in with this team from now on, uh, it's gonna be much more interesting. I don't think you see the effect right away. Mm-hmm. I think the Seahawks have a very, very high chance of doing doing another nine and seven season. You're that high on them. Think they they're gonna go win nine games? The floor with Russell Wilson is probably seven or eight. Okay, no, I so can see that. It's, it's not. It's not. It's not going to be that hard for them to win an extra game or two.
2: Right. I could. I guess. I could. I mean, again, you have someone like Russell Wilson. Your team's just that much better.
1: Your Your floor is your, your floor is seven or eight wins. That's the floor, bare bottom. If the rest of the team is hot garbage, even worse than they were last year, they will probably still win seven games.
3: I I will say this about the. Was, any, was that what you wanted to say about the Seahawks? Yeah, that's about it. Because I don't want to interrupt you. Um, the one thing I will say about the Seahawks is that I hate when this is one of the, and I don't want to go on a, on a media tangent. Uh, I can if I wanted to, but I'm not going to. Whenever – I think the people in our position, especially fans, part people of the media and things like that, players and coaches really love ribbing us and loving – they love to remind us that, like, we're not part of the game, we're not part of the team, we don't exactly know what's going on. Literally everybody on the face of the planet, when Pete Carroll made the decision to not give Marshawn Lynch the ball on the two-yard line, everybody in their mother knew that that was going to burn the Seahawks down from the inside, and every single player said, no, no, that's fine. You know, what, And then lo and behold, we're here, what, two, three years later, and all of the ex-Seahawks players are coming out <laughs> saying, yeah, that was... We we didn't really trust him.
0: <laughs> like,
3: I'm sorry. Like, there's sometimes, you know, that old uh I can't I think it was Mora, the head coach of Mora, like, you may think you know, but you don't know. No, we know. Like, we watch the games. Like, we're we're human beings just like the players are. So when that happened, when you have a a group of players that are allowed to be that outspoken and that they have that freedom. The Seahawks are kind of the anti patriots. In that sense, which was ironic that they faced off in the Super Bowl and lost the way they did, mm-hmm. that when you have a team that is permitted to be that expressive, you know they're susceptible to things like that, you know. And I really don't think that entire team ever became the same. Like I think that that was once that happened, and then Marshawn Lynch ultimately leaves, and then Russell Wilson gets this huge contract. And it just becomes more and more about him versus the defense, which the defense truly believed that they were the reason why they played in those two Super Bowls back-to-back. I mean, they were definitely the reason why they won the first one. But I, I just think that the the whole idea that uh, the media just makes up these stories and fans don't know what they're talking There are some fans that don't know what they're talking about, and there are some analysts that don't know what they're talking about. Trent Dilfer.
2: Ooh. Hot take. I hate Trent
3: Dilfer so much. He's a he's an absolute asshat.
2: I can't wait to tweet this episode of Trent. I
3: don't Dilfer. care. That's fine. You can go right it. that ahead.
1: asshole jubby that does our news. I've watched.
3: Yeah, I know. <laughs> I've watched. I've watched him say some just ridiculous. He was the one that famously after Monday night when the Chiefs blew out the Patriots said that the, the Patriots dynasty was over. And, and I know he would. makes a joke. Ju- he was the same guy that went out and I know he, Tebow's not in the league anymore, but every single week would say that Tebow was going to lose and lose and then he wasn't going to be any good. And then Tebow won a playoff game and Trent just decided to not talk about it. Cause it proved him wrong. That type of thing. I just don't like Trent Dover. That has nothing to do with him being a Raven at all. I just don't think he's whatever. He's good. I don't think he's any good at what he does, but that's what I'm saying. Like, the seahawks getting back to the original point the seahawks are a prime example of the media was right the fans were right they knew in that moment that that team was not going to be the same because of that moment and the only people that didn't believe that or weren't putting out that image were the seahawks
1: themselves yeah and it turns out that we were right i think it's so. and because of that I think it's an excellent. I think it's excellent that Pete Carroll is just moving on. Yeah, just moving completely on from all of it, and trying to create a different kind of team. He's
3: essentially getting rid of. When you really look at the people that are no longer on that team, outside of Earl Thomas, who there was huge speculation that he wasn't going to be a Seahawk and that he was going to get traded to the Cowboys, and of course the same thing with Cam Chancellor not being healthy. Michael Bennett's gone, and all that stuff. They really are, in a way, getting rid of all of the players from that Super Bowl run. Like slowly but surely, they're just getting rid of all of them. Yeah, like, they Everybody got rid of Russell Wilson. Yeah, man. they got rid of Cliff Avril. They got rid of Michael Bennett. They got rid of Richard Sherman. Um, I mean Doug Baldwin and Russell Wilson and all of them are still there, but like you, you got to keep at least you, some. Those
1: two will probably retire, Seahawks. Yeah, I don't, see I don't else think.
2: Happening. Yeah, yeah. Well, maybe not Doug Baldwin, but yeah. Russell Wilson. Maybe
1: sure. Doug Baldwin it depends if he keeps keeps going on after Week Eight. Master runs. <laughs> we'll, we'll see what happens. Gosh,
3: I could talk about the Seahawks for like two hours. Me too. That's why that. I kept
1: mine short and sweet. Because of like, whole story. I'm also like very I like the Seahawks a lot, and uh, like fun. I said, I, I'm really interested in the new direction they're taking. I just don't think it's going to be immediate, but I think they could be a really good team again. There's the, no way you like like I said, Russell Wilson. Your floor is very high.
0: The new old route they're taking. Oh, did I say that? No, you said the new route they're taking.
1: It's yeah. like a
3: new, it's like an. it's a new route, but it's old. It's the same life.
0: road, but they're just rebuilding the road. Right. Yeah,
3: yeah,
1: I, I, I could see that. They're yeah. just
3: repaving it. Yeah. Corey and I talked a lot about Rashad Penny and about how just before Corey does his little rule 32, 34, not rule 32, rule 34 thing, but the drinking game, <laughs> whatever it's called. Rule 34 <laughs> is worse. I know, yeah. but like, that's what that's, he called, that's what he, that's, that's what we That's why, I,
0: why I'm calling it that. Yeah. Because, you it's, know. It's bad. Double um, entendre.
2: Ha, uh, I see, I'm picking but, up on it. I'm picking up what you're
3: laying down. But yeah, the we talked about the Rashad Penny thing a lot, that the the, the the Seahawks line is not good, and you stick a guy who, he's big enough that he could be, he's kind of like a Kareem Hunt-esque type of build. Mm. He's kind of got thin legs, and but he's a good receiving back. He led all of college football in rushing yards. And a lot of people – I don't like it when people are critical of that because they say, oh, well, you know, he he led the – look at the conference he played in. Look at it. It's like, you know, he didn't play – he played Division two football. Obviously, San Diego State isn't like a powerhouse college program. So, yeah, of course he can lead the league in, you know, rushing and whatever because no one really cares. I'm like, well, no, you go up against San Diego State. Teams that were going up against San Diego State got scouting reports and they got coaches film and they got – this is the only guy that mm-hmm. this team has,
0: <laughs>
3: and he still led all of college. It doesn't matter if your program doesn't have a top fifty, top one hundred rushing defense. If the entire team is just one guy who lines up in the backfield, that's what you plan to stop. And Richard Penny just went crazy. It's very similar to David to, Johnson, to David Johnson, yep. and Kareem Hunt. Who and then he played. He played for who was it? Akron, Toledo, Toledo. I'm sorry, I, I always mess up the Ohio schools. Whether it's Toledo, Akron, or Kent, I always mess it's okay, them up. Okay, you
2: don't like Ohio.
3: I, I don't at all. So yeah, like he was ex- extremely good in Toledo. Yep. Which isn't a powerhouse school, so everyone kind of shunned it and was like, ah, it's Toledo. You're, you know, who cares if he rushes for close to two, th- whatever he rushed for, close to two thousand yards. You know, who cares? It's Toledo. And then he comes into the NFL and just blows up. So I don't like the idea that these uh these small school running backs can't succeed. I just think that Rashad Penny went to a bad offensive line. So being undersized, quote unquote undersized, might be a detriment his first year, but I think if they can fix that offensive line and make it good, I think Rashad Penny can be really good. No, I think good. I
1: think it's gonna be a multi year, you know, process yeah. for them, which is fine. No, oh, yeah, no, They've like you said, so the, long.
2: you you might not see it this year, but like they're changing and it it's one of those things that's going to take a couple years to Yeah, you'll show you'll fruits. slowly
1: see them get good again. Right. I mean, so like I said, it's not like they're horrible right It's now, similar to what
2: the but, it's kind of similar to what the
1: Cardinals are doing.
3: Yeah, yeah, very similar. The Cardinals are kind of doing this uh not a rebuild cuz a rebuild's like you you go a year where you win like 3 games. And then you slowly but surely build back up. It's kind of one of those, like, under-the-radar type of... There's only a couple... Recycle. It's a recycle. Yeah. Anyway.
2: Reduce, reuse, recycle. That's the name of the episode. That's right. <laughs> hey! <laughs>
3: oh, was going to be Bird Week. It's gonna be, <laughs> it kind of has Damn to be It kind of has to be Bird Damn
0: Week, it be <laughs> be week now. I'm sad. Oh. So, next week oh, will be oh. Reduce, Reuse, Recycle Part 2.
3: <laughs> <laughs> not explain what part one was. Like yeah, it. no, yeah, don't explain. You what listen. Part one. <laughs> this was part one,
0: but Bird
1: Week took precedent. That's all. <laughs> you gotta follow the lore here, folks. You gotta, you
3: gotta
2: f- s- that fad pod lore.
3: That's right. So now we're gonna do Corey's faux drinking game. We're not actually going. I mean, we're yeah, not it's
2: no. like it's like what, what is it? it's a. It's 1 o'clock in the afternoon on a Thursday. We're not exactly going to go drinking.
0: (laughs) I I made this list of drinking games for when the season starts. So whoever wants to spend their day watching football and drinking like the good old American Trump supporters like to do. (laughs) I'm sure we all will. And the first rule is going to be the only one that applies to that. (laughs) Uh, Take a drink for every penalty that is applied before the game even starts. Alright, that's... Does that
2: happen?
3: It's gonna happen with the players kneeling if they choose
1: to.
2: I didn't know it was a penalty. I thought oh it was yeah, a it's
1: p- a penalty. It's literally a penalty that happens now. Is, Is it a player? penalty? Yeah, yeah. no, they, they will penalize the teams. Jesus Christ. Yeah, Yeah, it's bad. Why do you think I was so pissed about it last time? <laughs> it's, oh it's, my God. it's not I, I good. thought it
2: was like the team got a fine. I didn't
1: know was a No, penalty. no, no, it was
3: literally a yard. penalty. I think you do get fined still, but the owner of the Jets just flat out said, like, if any players get fined, I'll just pay it what he said. I think it's Jed York is his name, the owner of the Jets.
0: No, that, isn't that uh?
3: Am I, am I dumb? I might yeah, be I dumb. I thought that was 49ers. I, I
0: haven't either. I'm so hungry. Yeah. I want to get this over with. <laughs> 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 okay. Uh, that was rule number one. By the way, there's there happened to be 34 rules after I finished everything, so it's the rule 34 at NFL drinking game.
2: All right. Oh boy. Uh, you can get a little spicy with your drinks, you
0: know what I'm saying? <laughs> Number Let's
3: two. not name the episode that. Rule 34. Let's not name it <laughs>
2: that. 30. I want to see Joey report Rule
0: 34. No! <laughs> Moving on. me? <Seriously>? Moving on. <laughs> Corey, what's no. number two? Number two, take a drink every time last year's Saints rookie class is brought up by announcers. Oh, no. Oh, man. Oh, no. Wasted. You're going to try to kill us. Take a drink every time Le'Veon Bell's contract situation is brought up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Take a drink every time Brady or Breeze's age is brought up. Oh, God.
3: I think it gets brought up more with Brady than Breeze. Oh, definitely more with Brady. And that's yeah. just yeah. No. That's because, because people literally know anything up about breeze. About breeze. That's right.
0: Take a drink every time ODB is mentioned in the same sentence as a one-handed catch. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> Take a drink every time somebody mentions mentions Matt Patricia's rocket science degree. Oh, my
3: God. Does he have one? Yeah. No, well, yeah it's a real... Who cares? <laughs> Oh Who freaking
2: cares? Announcers not named Tony Romo will care. That's right. <laughs>
0: Take a drink every time Cam Newton runs a designed run play. Shit. Wait. Oh, God, you're done. He does it, like, <laughs> almost 10 times a game sometimes. Almost 10 yeah. times a game. Yeah. Like 60% more than anybody else.
3: <laughs> All you need to know about the Carolina Panthers <laughs> is that they were, like, a top five rushing team last year. Go look at Christian McCaffrey and Jonathan Stewart's, like, yards per carry. They were awful. So, like, the fa- that shows you how much Cam Newton runs the ball.
0: Take a drink every time Matt Ryan's contract's brought up. <laughs> You'd be drunk already. Yeah. The times we brought it up in the episode. Take a drink every time plethora of quarterbacks are brought up.
3: <laughs> For those of you that are audio listeners, which is all of you, I just pretended to throw up.
0: <laughs> Take a drink every time Josh Gordon's suspension is brought up. Oh, God. Take a drink every time Jimmy Gooop is called the future of the 49ers. <laughs> Take a drink every time Aaron Rodgers does a simple throw, and it's called unbelievable.
1: Oh. <laughs> he does it not on the ground. Oh, my God. Every time. Not every time. It is... Anyway. You want to sit the... down and watch some tape with me? I don't need to. Okay. I watch, I watch, I watch plenty.
0: <laughs> Take a drink every time Andrew Luck's shoulder injury is brought up.
1: I guess
2: he was... I guess a report came out a couple days ago or something. He's throwing actual, in quotation mark, footballs finally. Jesus Christ, they're going to talk about it all year.
0: Yeah, they are. Take a drink every time Larry Fitzgerald's H is brought up. <laughs> take a drink every time Sean McVay's H is brought up. <laughs> 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 That's really funny.
3: That's really funny. Take, take a like drink
0: that. every time the Minneapolis Miracle is brought up. I'll be taking two. Aw. 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 <coughs> take a drink every time a home's arm is brought up or compared to Favre. <laughs> oh no i'd do that <laughs> take a time every time kirk cousins is time? brought up you said take a time every
1: time <laughs> take a drink
0: every time kirk cousins is brought up during a redskins game
1: Oh! Uh, Ooh, I like that one a that's lot. A good,
2: yeah, that's, that's a good one. one. That's a good Man, one. Man, they're gonna shit on Alex Smith. He doesn't deserve it.
0: Take a drink every time Lamar Jackson's brought up after an errant throw by Flacco. So every
3: <laughs> single throw
0: oh, from Joe Flacco. Oh, 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 shots fired. Take a drink every time Dak's rookie campaign is talked more highly of than Zeke's. Mm.
3: Ooh, that's a, that's a good
0: one. Take a drink every time the Eagles are referred to as the reigning Super Bowl champs. Mm.
3: Well, I mean until the season's over. Yep. So.
0: But every time they bring up the Eagles, I'm pretty sure they're gonna say. Reigning Ryan Super, Super Bowl, Bowl
3: champ.
2: champions, oh yeah. so, boy.
0: Chug your chug your beer whenever <laughs> Jameis Winston eats a W. <laughs> well <laughs> <laughs> Take a drink whenever Josh Allen is thrown to the wolves. Oh, oh, man. Man. oh poor Josh Allen.
3: Poor Josh Allen.
0: Chug your be- beer whenever Belichick beats a divisional opponent.
3: <laughs> You're chugging six beers. Got it. Like, I know. I know. I know. Seven. Five. Yep. Yeah, they're gonna lose in Miami. Oh yeah. yeah okay. Time. They'll
0: lose in Miami. All right. Yeah. Take a drink whenever Tannehill shows he shouldn't be a starting quarterback. <laughs> <laughs> Take a drink uh, whenever Kuyper praises the Jags. Aw, it's going to happen too. It's going to happen
2: a lot. Take a drink
0: whenever an announcer praises Mariota. God, I hate Mariota. <laughs> oh. Take a drink whenever John Gruden's contract's brought up. <laughs> Holy crap. Take a drink whenever Elway is mentioned in the Broncos game instead of Vance Joseph. <laughs> 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 oh no, I'm going to save that one for the last. Take a sip every time Russell Wilson is forced to scramble. Mm-hmm. Take a drink every time Josh Rosen is mentioned while Brafford is playing. <laughs> take a drink whenever J.J. Watts Hurricane Fund is mentioned. Oh, I should laugh at that. Okay, I'm going to put this... Pour one out for every time a Charger gets injured. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> We've already poured one out. We're not even in July yet. And oh, then no. the last one is take a shot for every year Marvin Lewis has overstayed his welcome as a coach for the Bengals.
3: Oh, no. Well... Line up 12 shots.
0: <laughs> yeah. Every Sunday
2: you have to start with 12 <laughs> shots before you can go on. <laughs> oh, jeez. Be, be dead. You, you'd be dead before you can drink anything else. You take the 12 shots and they be, here comes defending Super Bowl champion Eagles. Oh, no, someone kneeled. And today we're facing against the future of the 49ers, Jimmy Garopp. Damn, And you're dead.
3: <laughs> you're dead. You and are- then
2: you have the Red Zone channel on, so it flips to like, it flips the, like the Chiefs Raiders and talking about Mahomes as Favre and Gruden and his contract. And you're like, you're done. You watch Red Zone Channel, you won't make it to 12, 1.30. Yeah. <laughs> you wouldn't make it to one thirty now.
0: And that's the Rule 34 NFL drinking game. So. Which I'm
2: sure one of these Sundays we will actually do, even though I just talked about dying. We'll try to... We should like... Do one of those like chill, chill casts like we did with the draft. Not doing like all Sunday because it won't take us that long to get fucked up with these rules. But like <laughs> maybe we we'll record like ourselves. Like, maybe like a bonus episode. we just like a bonus episode. We'll like record ourselves watching the one o'clock games like a three-hour stream as we get more and more incoherent, and then try to end the stream. <laughs> <laughs> I think
0: I think it'd be better just to like start the start the stream uh, the stream at the beginning. Talk about the games that are gonna happen and everything, and then turn the cast off, and then come the, back. Come back at the end. Oh, that'd be good too. Consider we're sloshed,
2: uh, I would I would want to like try to write down the times that things got mentioned when we drink, so we could just fucking get mad about it. <laughs> Son of a bitch, I had to do. T- I had to take two beers. <laughs> take two. Ted, take two beers. <laughs> take. Th- Three Chargers got injured today, and I had to pour three out. God
1: damn it. <laughs> it's a waste.
3: All right, let's move on <coughs> to the final segment of today's episode, and then Corey and I can go eat before we pass out.
2: The Fad Pod Top 5.
3: The Fad Pod Top 5. ba This, yeah, correct. <laughs> Why are we, like, who wants to be a millionaire? <laughs> so, like I said at the top of the show, it is us ranking the top five receiving cores including your top tight end if they are relevant or not into that making that taking that consideration i guess you could say
2: mm. who wants well kuiper, to go first you didn't have oh, Corey or kuiper because Corey just got done talking and then kuiper hasn't
0: had a segment today
3: you're gonna all of you are gonna hate my list and so i don't want to go first all
2: right Corey, go
0: all right going down the number five is chargers uh, they'd probably be higher if Hunter Henry didn't get hurt. Uh, but Terrell Williams, uh, Mike Williams, her first round player that didn't even play. Didn't less. play. Uh, and then Keenan Allen is Keenan Allen, one health. He's a top 12, top 10 wide receiver himself. So I think all of those combined uh, gives you the top a top five at least. Uh, number four is the Chiefs. Uh, Sammy, Tyreek, and. Kelsey. That's pretty solid core. You don't, and then even Conley and uh, another one under. under Robinson? One. Ro- no,
2: it'd be Demetrius Robinson. Yeah. Uh, Demetrius Harris. Number three Ooh, I is. think I should
0: know my players. Yeah. yeah. Number three is the Vikings. Uh, Stefan Diggs, the white guy, and. Adam <laughs> And Kyle Rudolph. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I'm not too big on Adam Thielen, honestly. That's uh, funny. At least as big as other people were. Uh, I still think Rudolph when he's sober, and (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Diggs are a much better threat than Thielen, and that's probably why Thielen gets more open looks, is because of the uh, defenses dedicated to them. Uh, Number I wanted Really wanted to put these guys at number one, but it's just we we don't know yet. Uh, I have the Browns at number two.
1: <laughs> Josh Gordon
0: thinks they're the best. Uh, Josh Gordon, <laughs> all right. He's he was the top three wide receiver when before his suspension. Uh, you have Jarvis Landry, who is a big volume good hands back, or receiver. Uh, And Joku, Corey Coleman. I mean, Corey Coleman drops some balls, but he's still probably the best third wide receiver in the league in my opinion. Uh, And then number one is the Steelers, uh, who I almost forgot about. And uh, I was... (laughs) After I remembered them, I was like, oh, they're number one. Ah, Yeah.
1: My list is very different from yours. Really? (laughs) I was surprised. (laughs) <laughs> only, only for, only for a few things. I'm surprised there's one that you didn't put on there. Which, well, I, 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 I actually put in there that they're underrated. So, okay. My number five would have been the Saints, but you, but you can't count Alvin Kamara as a receiver. So, <laughs> so you, t- you don't have the Saints. No. <laughs> My true. number five is the Falcons. Okay, I was wondering if someone was going to use them. Just, because... just Julio Jones, Muhammad Sanu alone.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Excellent, excellent set. Of receivers, you have one of the biggest, probably the second best in the NFL, in Julio Jones. I was gonna say Muhammad Sanu, second best receiver. In the no, <laughs> but Muhammad Sanu he is no joke it. either. I think he, he doesn't. He doesn't get talked about that much, but he's he has the capacity for incredibly explosive plays, and you see them a lot with him. They have a tight. Who's their tight end right now? I forget, but he's. But I, I was looking at the stats and pretty good. Oh my goodness, his name. Austin Hoover. Austin Hooper, yeah, yeah. He's actually kind of an underrated. He's pretty good. He's a pretty he, good He's not runner. bad. Yeah, he, he's not bad. He's underrated for sure. hmm Yeah, everybody talks about, like, how, how amazing Julio Jones is, which he is, but, like, kind of casts a shadow over the other receivers who are also really talented mm-hmm. on that team. A lot of people talk about it. The next one is also an incredibly underrated core at number four. It's the Detroit Lions.
3: I really thought Corey was going to use them.
1: I probably should have. Golden Tate and Marvin Jones each had a 1,000 yards last year. hmm each. Yeah, it's a lot of receiving yards, and like Golden Tate's an excellent slot man, and you'll you'll keep it going. But yeah. uh, and uh, Marvin Jones will be an I think an excellent number one going into this year with more experience under his belt, and I think they're they're just gonna do better. They're looking excellent. Matt Stafford's healthier than he was last year.
0: Yes, Kenny Galladay. And Kenny Galladay, Galladay and...
1: hopefully staying healthy this year. We'll Eric Ebron's no longer on the Detroit Lions,
0: though, no, is he? He's a nope. Colt. He's a Colt now. Okay. Uh, Eric Ebron didn't like to catch balls. It seemed like, at times. Yeah.
3: That would have, that would have factored into my decision, though, of of putting the Lions on there. I'm not saying I put the Lions at all, but that would have factored into my thing that like I think Eric Ebron would have really helped them if he'd have stayed. Maybe. So. Yeah, I mean, it's a body. He I mean, can catch good. touchdowns. He can if he wants. Like you said, if, if, if he, he feels, wants, to. if he feels like it, yeah.
1: After that, I have the Eagles.
0: Ooh, okay. That's who I took off to put the Steelers on.
1: All right. Yeah, the Eagles are just excellent. Jeffrey Agalor. Jeffrey Agalor and Ertz.
0: Yeah. Is an excellent set.
1: Mm-hmm. Ertz climbing up to, slowly climbing up to be the best receiver in the NFL. I mean, the best receiving Le- tight end in the NFL right now. End. Yeah.
0: Yeah, it's about time. People have been big on him for like. Oh, I've been a big on him for
1: almost three years. He, just now. Keep, he would just keep <laughs> getting hurt. Yeah, Yeah.
3: like soft muscle injuries. He
1: finally stayed healthy for the majority of the year last year when he was out for, I think, two weeks. He missed the game against, I believe, the Broncos. Mm -hmm. And then
3: he came back against the Cowboys and had a really bad game. Yeah, So he wasn't really healthy for that Cowboys game That kind of limited him like he wasn't running a lot of the routes he usually did. If you go back and you look at just from a fantasy perspective, you go back and look at Zach Ertz. He went a coaster. stretch of, like, 10, 11 straight weeks where he was putting up, like, double-digit fantasy points. It was, like, crazy.
0: Mm-hmm.
3: So he's, he's really, really consistent. He's, he's, he's
1: climbing. He's finally, after after the, all these years, he's finally climbing. And, and I think if he keeps going, he will sit at the number one receiving mm-hmm. tight end spot, especially with Carson Wentz throwing in the ball. I know I'm not supposed to factor that in, but... He had the play that
3: won them. Tech- well, didn't That play didn't win them the Super Bowl, but he had the play that put them ahead. It it's an well, excellent
1: play, too. The touchdown and, he, and his His body movement during that play was perfect. And that's what you want to expect out of a big receiving tight end like him. He's a good player. Mm -hmm. Number two is the Vikings. Mm. For literally the exact same reasons that Corey mentioned. I'm not really going to go over it again. Right. Number one is the Steelers. Are you surprised? Antonio Brown, by himself, is better than half the receiving cores in the NFL.
2: (laughs) Scary. (laughs) Stupid scary.
3: And then.
1: That might actually be statistically true. You got my boy Juju, who is just ascending rapidly rapidly he's also going to be an incredible talent in
3: uh just as an aside five or six years from now are we going to attribute juju for being the one that's that kind of joined the bridge that gap between professional sports and esports being considered like because he 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 really uh, like represents a different type of culture that's like so overtly I think for he, gaming,
1: I think he right, Yeah, I, I I kind of agree with that because I feel, feel like he like by himself is going to start ushering in a new era of NFL players, a new personality of NFL players. Juju these was, young ones that are coming in. Juju was at the Madden reveal. Yeah, for EA, he, he was a came cringy, out. But him mean, it was a little cringy. But he came out with the. He
2: wasn't cringy. The guy he was with was cringy. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
3: Juju can't be cringy. No, I love too funny. Juju.
2: Juju's not. Yeah,
3: he's too funny. Juju's a cool guy. Mm-hmm. We actually have a a friend of ours. That I think met him, yeah, or met his family, and she said he was like he literally is like the coolest dude ever. Mm -hmm. So
1: also, uh, I think uh, once his career is over, we're also going to uh, attribute him to being the person who saved the Pittsburgh Steelers. But we'll talk about we can talk about that another time. Oh my! I I think he single-handedly saved that team from like crashing and burning. Oh my! That's a. I know what
3: I know what Justin is getting at, and if I if we have time at the end i'll get into it cuz i yeah, agree, cause it's, actually yeah
1: yeah it, it, it's kind of a long conversation so we might not do it
3: yeah, i i i think i could we'll get to it actually okay. i think depending upon how long we go cuz i don't i don't think this is actually a very long episode yeah we haven't even reached an hour yet right
1: mm-hmm. oh okay so um,
3: i'll 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 breeze over it cuz i know what justin's getting at and
2: i agree and i'll talk about it okay okay go ahead man Alrighty. um Number five, the Kansas City Chiefs. <laughs> you have them at five. Yeah.
3: I thought they were going to be way higher. Nah. I mean, at all. Wow. wow.
2: That's I a, got that's... the Kansas City Chiefs at five. Everyone is a deep threat. <laughs> Tyreek Hill, streak. Sammy Watkins, streak. Travis Kelsey, seam. Chris Conley coming back from injury makes for the perfect slot receiver.
1: The reason why I didn't put the Chiefs on my list is because I don't believe in Sammy Watkins. Anyway, continue. Yeah, but it's okay, because I believe in Sammy Watson.
2: <laughs> yeah. Anyway, okay, Is Chris Conley coming back from injury makes for the perfect slot receiver and should see an increase in productions as teams try to keep up with the outside speed. And it helps that, it. I, I don't know, if I guess you, Justin just said we weren't supposed to factor in quarterback play into that, but I can't, man. Mahomes, gunslinging it deep. I feel like the production from this receiving core is going to be insane this season. Right. number four i got the minnesota vikings and used to develop into a number one receiver who can make big plays when the team needs him that white guy adam thielen <laughs> is turning into one of the best slot receivers in the league and is one of the best undrafted free agents in years lacron treadwell is still young has it has a huge body and next to kyle rudolph he can become one of their best red zone targets and again kyle rudolph's a sneaky top 10 tight end i feel like I know we just mentioned him, but I feel like people don't talk about Kyle Rudolph enough.
1: Hella underrated. Mm-hmm. Hella underrated.
0: Because he shows up the game's drunk and can't perform drunk. Well,
2: when he doesn't do that. <laughs> and then, I, I mean, again, now that they have like a... Not to say like Case Keenum and Sam Bradford aren't real quarterbacks, but like with Kirk Cousins winging the ball out, you're going to see an increase in production from them.
0: <laughs>
2: I just think they're good. Number three... I have the New Orleans Saints.
3: You still have the okay. You still mm-hmm. have the Saints at three. All right.
2: Having a Michael Thomas and a Drew Brees can already bring out the best of a receiving core. It helps that the rest of the core is also very strong in its own right. It's unarguable that Ted Ginn has completely revived and revamped his career in New Orleans and has become the true deep threat that he's that he should have been capable of being his entire career. And the deep threat that I, the speedy deep threat that I think Drew Brees is actually needed. Willie Sneed is sneaky fast as well and great in the slot if called upon. And if Brandon Coleman can regain his form from a couple years ago as a number four receiver, it makes the entire receiving core really dangerous. Number two, I have the Atlanta Falcons. As long as Julio doesn't hold out too long, the Falcons have the argue, one of the arguably best receivers in the league. The coverage he gets allows Mohamed Sanu to shine in the number two slot, where his production has been above average the last couple years. They lost Tyler Gabriel even though he was in... as he was their slot and speed guy, but arguably, now you got Calvin Ridley, who's gonna plug and play right in that spot as their slot guy this year. And if he's as good as he should be, being slated as the best receiver in the draft, the Atlanta Falcons are gonna have a really good receiving core. And, I mean... Number one, the Pittsburgh Steelers. Name a more dynamic wide receiver duo than Antonio Brown and Juju Smith-Schuster. I'll wait.
1: Nobody. 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 It's it's too good.
2: (sighs) Antonio Brown just does everything so well. It's scary how good he is. He's my (laughs) personal favorite wide receiver in the league. He's reading my thing. (laughs) He's not reading his own. (laughs) Similar to Julio, when teams try to spend resources on Antonio, Juju's ready to pick apart what's left, and he's damn good at it. God. He has the size, speed, and hands of a great number one receiver, and he gets the number two coverage. You can't contain him forever because when you try, uh uh-oh, Antonio Browns, did you forget about him? Don't forget about James Washington in the slot, or Hayward Bay who has speed and sometimes can catch a ball.
1: Sometimes is, is a sometimes he
3: also doesn't get out of
2: bounds on a crucial <laughs> game against the New England Patriots. It, 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 it isn't it isn't fair how good the Steelers' wide receiver core is, and you know they got Big Ben for another year or two to take full advantage of the talent, and I'm just not happy about it. makes me sad. Well,
3: <laughs> my number five. This is why everyone... No one, in this, no one at this table is going to like my list. All right. Uh, number five is the Raiders. Um, don't
2: Amari Cooper.
3: Ki- don't kid yourself. Amari Cooper is a very good receiver. Okay? He had a bad year. DeAndre Hopkins is a very good receiver. He had a bad year two years ago. By most standards, Julio Jones had a bad year, and he's still a good receiver. Amari Cooper is...
1: We told him last year. I'm talking about last year. Amari Co- oh, yeah. Julio, Julio Jones, had Jones did not have a bad year last year. Gets three touchdowns. <laughs> and a shit ton of yards. That's I don't, Do yards win still, games? He was still a top five receiver last year. I understand that. Amari Cooper is Where not... Where's Amari Cooper? As far as like receivers Almost go? Almost towards the bottom.
2: On the pooper.
0: <laughs>
1: he
3: had a bad year last year. The whole offense had a bad year last year. Okay. So when you, when you take Amari Cooper and then you add Martavis Bryant who in his rookie season only caught 26 passes and eight of them were touchdowns, who has dealt with suspensions but has caught more than five touchdowns despite only catching 50 passes in the other two years. He's a touchdown... He's essentially a younger, faster version of Michael Crabtree, who they, who they got rid of. He's a younger, faster version of him. And I will disagree with Corey Coleman being the best third receiver in the league because I don't care how old he is. The best third receiver in the league is Jordy Nelson. He is. I don't care how old he is. There's no one in the league that brings the experience and the ability to run a full route tree. And when Jordy Nelson has a capable quarterback throwing him the ball, he's a good receiver. Like He never had a year where he was healthy in Green Bay with Aaron Rodgers there that he didn't personally perform. And I don't think Derek Carr is as good as Aaron Rodgers, but I Mm. certainly think that Jordy Nelson in a position where he's – not relied upon, where he's getting not the second-best coverage like Juju is, the third-best cover man on a team, I still think Jordy Nelson can perform really well. And I still think they have Jared mm-hmm. Cook as a tight
1: end. I I agree. And, so, uh, I, I'm i not... I actually agree with that. Because yeah. a, like, the more I think about it, the more upset I get that we... That, you're, that, that he's, he's no longer be, there. Yeah. Got rid of him.
3: But I'm, I'm looking at the Raiders. I don't think the Raiders individually as a team might play as well because I still don't think they have... Their offensive line figured out that degraded so quickly, they don't. They have Doug Martin running the ball now, and who knows about Doug Martin? And their defense is still bad. So, but as far as I'm just looking at the talent of the team, that's a really good receiving core in my opinion. So, yeah. um, I do hate it. Yeah, number four is the Kansas City Chiefs with Tyree Kill and Travis Kelsey. Who Travis Kelsey's probably I hate you hate saying this, but like Gronk's at the point where like. You can't keep saying, "Oh well, Gronk's healthy; he's the best." Gronk's not often healthy, so I have to put Travis Kelsey as the best tight end in the NFL. I
2: yeah. don't hate saying it.
3: So, <laughs> Travis Kelsey's the best tight end in the league. Yeah, yeah he Tyree is. Kill, who's really good. Um, I still don't think Tyree Kill has completely developed a full route tree. I don't know if that's because of just Andy Reid's offense, where they like him just running streaks and and screens, <laughs> and that's pretty much it. I agree with you in the sense that I don't trust Sammy Watkins completely because last year in L.A., Sammy Watkins was supposed to be the number one guy, and there were stretches of time in the Rams where he was just flat-out not needed. He was he either
1: was, he was either incredible or non-existent. And right. There
3: was no space in between. He just flat-out was not needed on the team. So I take that into consideration with the Chiefs, but Tyreek Hill and Kelsey are good enough that I put them at the four spot. Number three is the Browns. I'm not going to just come... I'm just not going to do this show and just hate on the Browns consistently. I can't ignore the fact that Josh Gordon, when he has played, has been a top five wideout in the league. I mean, he led the league in receiving a couple of years. I think it was 2013 he led the league in receiving. He's the only receiver in history to have two back-to-back games with 200 yards. That's never happened. He's the only one that's done that. I think his play when he came back from the suspension last year was a little overblown. I don't think he really was that great. They just forced him the ball a lot. Individually, he didn't put on like these unbelievable performances where he was just taking games over. He was just getting the ball thrown at him. Mm-hmm. He's a whole bunch. also
1: just coming back, too. right?
3: No, that's true. Um, he's gonna have. He, I don't think he knows who's going to be throwing him the ball yet. Jarvis Landry is. A really solid. I'm not gonna knock Jarvis Landry. He's a really solid guy. He catches 100 passes. He's pretty much a slot guy. He he was he was the he was the number one receiver in Miami, but he pretty much lined up in the slot just because of his size and his speed. I personally don't trust Corey Coleman at all. I know he was a rookie last year, and I if you've been paying attention to these lists that I make, I always kind of I I never really like count second year players. So I'm kind of excluding him from the list. Isn't this going to be his third year? This would be his. I think it might be his third year. I don't know. Okay. I think it was. I think he was a rookie last yeah. year. I'm not exactly sure. I should know, but I don't because it's I, the Browns. So,
0: well, my argument with Corey Coleman is he gets injured. He has. He's been having like hand injuries, wrist which, injuries, yeah, hand wrist, which affects your ability to catch. No, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. There's, but there's still, even with the time he's missed, he's getting close to. He, if you, if he played those times, he's gonna right. be a thousand yard receiver.
3: I hope. I, I don't. I don't hope. But like, yeah. in a way, you kind of hope that he, he. You don't want to see a guy like that have not have a good career because of injury. But yeah. Uh, I I just think that Corey Coleman and Spots was given a moment to be the hero for the Browns, and he kind of choked it a little he, bit. He, he choked it. Pretty so pretty I just want to see him play better. Number two, is Pittsburgh Steelers. Ooh. Um, they were Antonio Brown and Juju Smith Schuster led the league as a tandem last year with 2,450 yards combined. They were 300 yards ahead of the se- the second place team and Antonio Brown didn't play the final three games of the year. So there you go. That's that statistic for you. Mm. The reason I have them at two is because I don't know who our third receiver is going to be, whether it's Eli Rogers, who's coming back from an injury or James Washington. I don't know. I personally, and this is, again, another factor, I don't like our tight ends. I think Jesse James has a tendency to just vanish at moments, and Vance McDonald has bricks for hands. So when I take that into consideration, yeah, as far as if we were just going the one and the two, then Pittsburgh's probably number one for me. But when I look at the uncertainty at the three and the inconsistency at tight end, I keep the Steelers off of two. And behind the Minnesota Vikings at number one, last year I think Stephon Diggs and uh, Adam Thielen they were third. The white guy? Yeah, the white guy. That they white were, guy. They were third <laughs> on uh, the duos list. I think they had like 2,120-some-odd yards combined as a, as a duo. But they were on a team that didn't have a quarterback the caliber of Ben Roethlisberger throwing them the ball. And I like their third guy, like whether it's Kendall Wright or Laquan Treadwell, whoever. I I
2: think it's going to be Treadwell. Yeah, they have both kind
3: of stepped in in moments here and there and played. The thing that separates, I don't think Diggs and Thielen are as good as Brown and Juju, but I think Rudolph is so incredibly better than the tight end spot that Pittsburgh has, whoever that is that I think it kind of pushes Minnesota a little slightly. I, I mentioned before the show started that I've been kind of going back and forth for those top three. I've always known Raiders and Chiefs were four and five. But I really did like not, up until maybe a day ago, I kept changing my mind as far as who was one, two, and three. Sometimes I had the Steelers at two, at three and the Browns at two. Sometimes I had the Steelers at one and the Vikings at two. But when you have two guys that combine for over 1,000 yards in Diggs and Thielen, When you have a potential 800- to 900-yard tight end in Rudolph who's going to catch close to 10 touchdowns a year just because of his size, you have steady guys at three, even though one of them hasn't really come out and really solidified himself as that third guy, whereas the Steelers just flat out don't know who it's going to be, I think. I think that puts the Minnesota Vikings over uh, the Steelers in that regard. So, I, I thought about the Detroit lions and this isn't being critical of you putting the Detroit lions in your list, Justin, but I don't look at any of those guys. I don't look at Tate or Jones as they're, they're they're like the best way I can explain it is that all of the guys on my list, I would, one of those guys on that list are like, in my opinion, a top 12 receiver in the league. And that's what puts them over. I wouldn't put Golden Tate or Marvin Jones in that. They're in that, like, next section of, like, pretty solid. Because essentially, the Detroit Lions are, you'll have a game where Marvin Jones catches 130 yards and two touchdowns, and Golden Tate does nothing. And then you have another game where Golden Tate does that, and Marvin Jones does nothing. It's kind of like that situation where I don't think they they complement each other. I think it's just whoever has the best matchup that game, that's who they throw the ball to. So you, it's really tough to sort of weigh the two of them together as a core, and plus, and then Kenny Galladay, Kenny Galladay's come in and played really well, but he's been injured, so you don't really know what you're getting with yeah. him. That's why I kept the
1: Lions out. And I think it, the reason why, like, I understand your point, and like, what really drove me towards putting them in more is that I, I think everybody's going to be surprised by Jones this upcoming year. Okay. And you like Kenny Galladay more than I do. Oh, I, I really There's do. Another thing. I, I I think he'll be great too. Mm-hmm. He just needs to stay healthy.
3: Alright. I mean I know that but that's my uh that's my list. I have Vikings, Steelers, no, I don't even like the Lions. I know. <laughs> Viking Vikings, Steelers, Browns, Chiefs, Raiders. Fun real quick before uh we I do that real quick thing about Jusby's point about Juju saving the Steelers. Just one team, if you just come up with one right off the top of your head. Who has the worst Jaguars receiving core? You really think Jaguars? Yeah. I think they got better than where they got hurt.
2: <laughs> yeah, um, but I, I still think they're just at the bottom. They don't okay. They don't need them.
1: All right. First one well, came to the top of my head was the Dolphins. Bills. Bills, too. Yeah, that's another good one. Ooh, I got to
3: say the Bills. I, I might, yeah. The I, better, I, I, I think, think the, the Bills followed very closely by the Ravens. The Ravens, they're
1: they're, yeah, the Ravens are just rickety, and yeah, the Ravens are just—they're
3: just like a. What did you well, before we started? You called them the oh, new—the
1: the, the new wide receiver graveyard. Yeah,
3: they're the new wide-out graveyard. It used to be the Jets. Now it's no longer the Jets. Now, like the Jets, kind of have a somewhat interesting receiving core. I thought about this the other day, just staying on the receiving core topic. If Quincy and Noonway comes back in place for that team, you have Quincy and Noonwa, uh, Jermaine Curse, and Robbie Anderson.
0: I like Robbie Anderson. Like like that's Robbie not, Anderson's good. That's not bad. That's a I mean, very
3: interesting core, but it's almost like rolling the dice. It is. Like, I would definitely put them above the other. T- like, I mean, dude, like the Patriots' receiving core is not that good. Has it ever really been that? Like,
2: good? it really. I mean, it 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 hasn't. But like, dude, they've been have... a bunch of those quote unquote white guys. Think about this.
3: <laughs> L- literally, I want you to imagine the, the Patriots' receiving core right now does not have Brandon Cooks. It does not have Danny Amendola, and it does it's, not have
2: Edelman, and for it's four not going to have
3: Julian Edelman. Like, you might, we might actually be in a situation where the Jets have the best receiving core in that entire division. It's scary. Which is pretty insane. Like, because Devonte Parker has been in and out of the lineup. Kenny Stills is a one-trick pony. Jarvis Landry isn't there anymore to elevate the two of them, and the Bills' receiving core is just putrid. Yeah, th- they, I, mean, I think,
1: I think, I, I think, bottom two were, were Dolphins' bills. No, I,
3: I, I can see that. The only other team I really that came to my mind when I was considering this was, like, Ravens. the Ravens. Yeah. And, I, I don't know. Who else would you, like, in in that, like, lower, I was going to say the upper, like, the I, lower echelon. I
0: don't like the Cowboys receiving core.
3: Oh, yeah, that's another they one. They have, like,
0: they got... Uh, Alan Hearns. Alan Hearns, so that's much it that's 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 williams uh, (laughs) the kid they drafted you don't need a receiving core with zeke apparently apparently you don't uh i did my one two that's three quick maths real fast and uh we have (laughs) pittsburgh at number one minnesota at number two cleveland at three atlanta at four
2: and kansas city at five there's your fad pod official top five wide receiving cores
3: i i think that's good list. That's a good list. I, like I That's, that's probably, a good list. that's probably the out of the three that we've done so far, that's probably the one that I think is the most. The best. The best
2: one. Mm-hmm. So. Sure. Be that. Fad pod, top five. Alright, you want to get into the Juju
3: thing before we sign off? Yeah, yeah it, won't, it won't take me too long. Essentially, the point that Juju saved the Pittsburgh Steelers is not from his play. I mean, his play really did elevate us in a lot of games. He pretty much single-handedly won us the Detroit Lions game with his 90, however freaking long it was, 96, 97-yard touchdown play. And he played really, really well down the stretch, especially when uh, Brown missed the final. What equated to three games with him getting knocked out in the Patriots game. He didn't play in the Texans game, and then no one really played in the Browns game. But Juju's attitude, going into the season, the Steelers had nothing, probably their worst bad PR season, with uh, Ben once again threatening to retire. They had just, the Steelers had just been eliminated from the playoffs again by the New England Patriots. They had the first year of the Bell contract disputes. Their defense wasn't very good. They had Martavis Bryant coming back from suspension and there was a couple issues there. And then it even spilled into the season when the Steelers made that decision to not just kneel during the National Anthem but not even come out to acknowledge it during the Chicago it, Bears game. It,
1: who knew that that was actually going to help set a precedent for the rule?
3: Yeah, it really did. And it, it caused so many problems because Alejandro Villanueva ended up coming out and being the only one that came out, and that caused this huge... Being a Steelers fan, I saw like so many bad things about the team. And, of course, Ben Roethlisberger and his relationship with Todd Haley was bad. And there was just all this horrible... It almost kind of felt like this team was just very, not hostile, but it was very, like, on edge. Yeah, it was just shaky. Yeah, it was just shaky, and there was so many, like, locker room issues going on. And then Juju Smith-Schuster caught a touchdown and celebrated by doing the Kamehameha. And then he caught another one, or someone caught one, and they played hide-and-seek in the end zone. And then they did another one, and he was Mm bench-pressing, pretending to be James Harrison. Juju's attitude and his seemingly childish, not childish in the sense that it was immature, but like fun-loving demeanor saved that football team because it was something that they so desperately needed because it was just sour grapes for the first stretch of the season. I mean, the the Steelers started off the year in a really shaky game against the Browns that they could have easily lost. They ended up flat out losing to the Chicago Bears after that demonstration that they did. And it was just bad. It just didn't feel like that team was all on the same page. And Juju's lightheartedness and his way to sort of unite the team behind being just goofy and really reigniting that hey, man, like football's supposed to be fun. Like, let's go have fun. And weathering the storm of Martavis Bryant saying that he wasn't as good as him, and really not, like firing back at him because he didn't. He really didn't say anything.
1: No, he let his play. He let his play which yeah. was just better than Martavis. Yeah, speak for he itself. just he
3: just let his play kind of speak for itself. And yeah, I I completely agree that his. What he brought to that team, as far as not on the field, because we all know what he done. He caught almost a thousand yards. I think he had like six touchdowns. I already mentioned the stat earlier that him and, him and uh, Antonio Brown combined for, I think, almost 300 yards more than the next duo did, and Brown didn't even play <laughs> in the final two and a half games. So it's more about what he did off the field and how he really kind of embraced the idea of, you know what, man, like, let's just forget that stuff, man. Let's just go out there and have fun. And I think from a cultural standpoint, it really resonated with that team and, and saved their season. Not that the season went anywhere. I mean, we lost to the Jaguars in the in the second round of
1: the playoffs, so like whatever. No, I think it also would have like I, I think stuff like that tends to tends to roll. Absolutely. Look at the Patriots. Yeah. It's it, it's very slow roll, but it's starting to roll. And I feel like that, that, that same thing would have ended up happening to the Steelers. And they really <laughs> Start, stuff would have start falling apart. Had something like this happened with the Seahawks, we wouldn't be in the
3: position we are right now with the Seahawks.
1: Yeah, exactly.
3: The Seahawks didn't have that. The Seahawks didn't have a, someone to step in and really – because Russell Wilson, you could talk about what he is as a quarterback and what he is as a leader, but Russell Wilson really isn't – Russell Wilson's kind of boring.
1: I mean, you learn how to fly a helicopter. Persona- That's very I know that. Yeah,
3: I know that. <laughs> but, like, from a personality standpoint, like, you don't expect Russell Wilson to be running around acting goofy trying to get guys to laugh which I think that's the biggest thing the Seahawks needed was someone like Juju to kind of like reignite that team. The Falcons don't have that. And I think the Falcons are on the precipice of really becoming like not one of the bad teams in the league, but they're going to become that team that they have a good quarterback and a good right, wideout, and that is it.
2: Yeah, I, well, I talked about that earlier. So, they're on their way there now.
3: You need, you need something when you have – such negativity and such bad, just like I said, just sour grapes kind of polluting your franchise, similar to how the Rams were prior to Sean McVay getting there. And as a coach, the coach stepped in and really reignited that team who was just so downtrodden because they had Jeff frickin' Fisher as their coach. It could completely change a franchise. Like, look at that team that the Rams had last year. Mm Mm-hmm. The only real substantial changes that team made was Sammy Watkins and Andrew Whitworth.
2: That was really it.
3: They had Jared Goff. They had Todd Gurley. They had Tavon Austin. They had that offensive line. They had that really good defense with Aaron Donald and Brockers and all those. The only real change they made was their coach, but their coach stepped in and tried to like change that culture and get rid of that negativity it could save a team. It really can, and I think to Justin, to what you brought up, that Juju did that. That's what he was to that team. So
0: Tavon Austin's on the Cowboys now, too. Oh yeah. He, well, well,
3: yeah. It's. Yeah. I mean, he's a gadget guy.
0: No. Yeah. But he, he doesn't matter.
3: Damn. <laughs> it doesn't matter. He doesn't he's matter. He's the new doesn't matter. Doesn't he's the matter. new doesn't matter. But yeah, like I said, I wasn't gonna take long on that. That was yeah. just a just to illuminate Justin's point about uh, Juju's off-the-field role on that team and how important it was, because it truly, truly was very, that, very important. Uh, that
1: factored into my ranking Pittsburgh Steelers number one. I think it's important. And uh, yeah. also, also to your point, the only Pittsburgh Steelers fan that didn't put Pittsburgh at number one. Um, I didn't. Nothing else you said about the Vikings? <laughs> Stack it up against those two players, it doesn't really matter. <sighs> Maybe it doesn't. I was I was trying to be You could you could throw you could throw bumps. Unbiased. You could throw straight bumps at that fucking wide out three spot and tight end spot and I don't think it matters.
0: Like I said, I was <laughs> just gonna...
1: The reason why I put
0: Pittsburgh there is because they've proven they're like pretty much a wide out factory. Yeah, and like I it's true. like I'm yes. not too concerned about who they're gonna put there because I'm pretty sure whoever it is is gonna be good. And I know you don't like to look at things like that. You wanna see two good years. Mm-hmm. Uh and you're you're trying to be unbiased and everything.
3: I mean, to I guess like you can call me kind of a hypocrite because I talk about I want to see two good years and I just talked up Juju. That's true. So. But he had a.
1: But he had a. Uh, he had a. Um, it's a different kind of year. Where yeah. He, he played well, but there was other stuff.
3: It was a very slow process for Juju, where yeah. he was very rarely used the first couple games of the year because we were really trying to get Martavis Bryant back on pace to play football. And I'm sorry, if you, you're you out of football for a year and a half, it's not, you can't just come back and, no. and make it work one year. No. Nope. Like, like I we mentioned Josh Gordon. I mean, Josh Gordon had been out of the league numerous years. And Josh Gordon is an elite receiver, and it took him, like, some time to kind of, like, I get back on still, pace. I
1: think he's still getting back on yeah. pace. Yeah. Like, so, he ended the season last year still not, like, in a fantastic spot. Mm-hmm. So no, like it takes a long time.
3: It does. Receiver is definitely one of the more, you need the constant reps. You need the constant like rigmarole of going through your progressions and learning to, because quarter high end quarterbacks in this league can adjust to things so quickly. I mean, you could throw out anybody there for Drew Brees. You could, we talk about Tom Brady all the time. You could throw out a janitor, to Tom Brady, and he could figure it out. But then once the ball is in your hands and how you read defenses, a lot of people don't realize that receivers read defenses very similar to the way quarterbacks do, in the sense that you need to be able to know how the guy across from you and how the guy behind him and how the guy to your right is going to cover you, which I think gets kind of blown under the radar. And if you're not accustomed to that, which Josh Gordon wasn't, which Martavis Bryant wasn't, your play suffers because you might think like, okay, I know I can run this route and catch this ball, but am I going to be catching it and immediately getting hit? Or am I going to have a moment that I can potentially make a move and make this guy miss? So that does factor into why I think Juju was this slow burn type of process where the more and more the Steelers realized that Martavis wasn't catching on and that he was being angry about it for some reason, I mean, that might just be an ego thing that Martavis has, which is whatever. He caught a ball with his butt. So, (laughs) I mean, you know, whatever. But it really sort of was this really organic type of thing that the Steelers just kind of naturally moved over to Juju, and Juju just, like, embraced it when no one really expected him to. Everyone was like, ah, he's he's just another guy that the Steelers are going to take. They have Eli Rogers. They have, you know, Bay. They've had Coates. You know, we've had guys like Marcus Wheaton that are just kind of like, hey, those guys come in every once in a while when, you know, Brown's being triple teamed Mm -hmm. (laughs) and catch a pass.
0: (laughs) So, um,
3: you know, it's – but I like Juju a lot. And I'm glad that we had him because I don't think any other player could have stepped in and done what he did off the field as far as a culture thing and really kind of saved that team from just
1: self-destructing on itself. So, Hmm. yeah. I think it's a good spot to end the special – Caugh Episode
0: Featuring Juju Featuring Juju, Featuring Juju. No, we,
1: we did a pretty good job today Justin,
2: Corey, Kuiper I think we did pretty good Yes. Yeah. So, but uh, Justin Where are people listening to us right now?
1: Well, hopefully you listen to us On either podcast.com Either iTunes Or Google Play
2: And where else can they find us?
1: They can find us on Twitter At Fadpod F-A-D-P-O-D Or on Facebook You could also add F-A-D-P-O-D And you will find us
2: F-A-D-P-O-D
1: Yes Fadpod that's real easy to remember. Very also, easy. After uh, you listen to this episode, go ahead and go over to the Twitter and Facebook pages. I will have the links with our change.org petition to make Matt Ryan remake the Blair Witch Project 250 times. Please sign the petition. Are we are we
0: fad bod this week? Fad bod? Because of birds? Ah! Because of burgers. Oh! oh of
1: <laughs> Is that real? Is that actually happening? That's a meme. They're doing it because they're announcing burgers into their menu. They've always had burgers. Maybe they're like I used doing to get burgers. Bur- I like when I worked right next to an IHOP, I used to go get burgers at the IHOP. They've always sold burgers. Okay,
2: yeah, but now they want to be a big burger boy. I guess That's
0: so. Right. We'll be back in two weeks. Uh, Kuiper and I will talk about a team. I'll talk oh, about you the- pick a team right I'll now. I'll talk about the Chargers.
3: You want to talk about the Chargers? Yep. I will. I'm gonna talk about the Patriots.
0: Okay. Ooh, okay, we'll have a Jeb report, and maybe Matt will do some investigating. We'll find something for me to
2: go. Got some for journalism. Somewhere go.
0: And then the following week after that, we're going to have our first uh, fantasy football episode. Ooh, I'm really excited for that.
1: Yeah, we're going to talk about some fantasy. It's going to be a good time.
0: Now, I'm excited for our
2: fantasy episode because, like, we wanted to be, like, but then at the same time, I know all four of us are gonna keep some cards close to the vest because we're all in <laughs> a fantasy league versus each other. It's gonna be it's gonna be an interesting game of fantasy poker.
3: <laughs> and only one of us
2: has
1: ever won the league we're in.
2: I've won multiple <laughs> other leagues, okay? I'm
1: I'm perpetually second place, so that's that's not that bad. I'm still making money. I I uh, get I get absolutely. I I I'm in this
3: I'm in this fantasy league with 10 of my very good friends. And then my one friend's uncle. Nah, nah, I, I like your uncle. Your uncle's a, I, I love having your uncle in this league because he's oh just, God, he's he a per- meme. Yeah. It's so good. Um, <laughs> and I constantly get crapped on because I'm so incredibly arrogant <laughs> about the fact that I've won twice and there was actually a period of time. What was it? Was it the last time two years ago? Was it a year before that? It, no, it was two years ago, when me and, me and Justin were in the final, and uh, I won pretty much because Jordy Nelson decided to not catch one pass. Yep. And uh, it, I got a hot take that everybody in the league was just gonna pretend I hadn't won. And
0: <laughs> you <laughs> suck, Matt.
3: And uh, <laughs> it was uh, it was Matt. Okay. We'll, we'll, Come on, man. We're pulling the curtain back. <laughs> Essentially, what happened. Was there was this was or... two years
0: ago? Don't be mad at me. Anymore. Yeah, it was this
3: organized thing that everyone was. You just ruined gonna... my fun. Yeah,
0: everyone. Was I just... planned it so well, and you you played a double agent, and you were like, "Okay, Corey, I'm in," and then you go and tell him behind my back. <laughs>
2: I didn't mean to like like tell him. Tell him. I don't know, man. It was it was, it was a
3: fun thing. Co- Corey was gonna get everyone on the same page and say that I didn't want, to just acknowledge that Justin had won, but then Matt. Matt was in on it, but then Matt let it slip. So I kind of like.
2: It I, wasn't like on purpose, purpose, but then it yeah. just happened, and ugh.
1: it's alright. It was just a meme. Ugh. It
2: was a meme, and it was I got my
3: I got my repentance the next year when I got my absolute. Just I just got pushed in so hard <laughs> when I when I ended up trading away Kareem Hunt because I'm, I'm just a sucker for trying to, do things like that. I ended up. After going like 8-0 and to start the year, Kareem Hunt started having bad games and I ended up trading away to our friend Genhart. And then I just tanked. Oh, and then I got I got baited into taking an Mori Cooper trade. And that just burned me to the ground. So, and yeah, just, it was bad.
0: We'll, we'll save the rest <laughs> of the history of La Liga for the next fantasy football.
2: Yes. Fantasy football after dark. Pod
0: fad pod (laughs) (laughs) fad pod
1: alright everybody I will see you in two weeks and you will not see us you will hear me in two weeks (laughs) for you audio listeners which is all of you
0: (laughs) goodbye
1: and I love you and I don't